welcome to the Pleasure Alchemy podcast. We're your host, Janessa Dalalana, women's empowerment mentor, group facilitator, and body worker. Samantha Stelk, self-love and sexual empowerment coach. Our mission is to activate you to your most embodied, authentic, and pleasure-led life. Together, we explore what it means to call in your deepest soul's desires with ease, flow, and integrity. Here, we remind you that the meaningful relationships, unshakable confidence, and aligned purpose you crave is available for you, no matter what your background. In this space, we share our personal insights and intimate conversations with soulful leaders, visionaries, and experts on all things related to spirituality, sexuality, self-empowerment, shadow work, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for being here and joining us. Now let's dive in. Our next guest, Megan D. Lambert, is a master certified intimacy and desire expert. She helped hundreds of people around the world experience more love, better sex, and clear desires through her retreats, group programs, and private coaching. Previously, she was a senior leadership consultant to Fortune 100 companies. Now she lives in Bali with her husband, two puppies, and their baby girl. Let's give a warm welcome to Megan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pleasure Alchemy podcast. We have a very special guest here, Megan Lambert. So Janessa and I actually went to middle school and high school with Megan. We were both cheerleaders together at one point. (laughs) (laughs) And we both have quite miraculously found our ways to similar fields. She is an intimacy coach and Megan, we would love to hear from you what it is that you do and how did you find your way on this path? Oh, big question. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I help So I help two groups of people. I help committed couples keep the spark alive Mm. and the passion, the chemistry, the flirtation and the romance. Mm. And then I help women, especially high achieving, um, driven, successful women, soften, feel their bodies, trust Mm. their desire and open to love. So those are the two groups that I work with primarily. Mm. And how I got into it was Let's see, I always was interested in sexuality and relationships. To me, love seems at the heart of everything, and especially mm-hmm. at the heart of what makes a meaningful life. I remember being a little kid and like reading books on relationships. And I think part of it too is my parents got divorced when I was really young. And so I was always left with this question of like, how, what does it take to have a lasting relationship? And how do we form partnerships that can um, withstand the test of time? So mm. then I, but I didn't think I could make a career out of that necessarily. So I went into leadership consulting um, and coached executives and teams and led corporate retreats. And I loved that experience, but I just didn't really want to talk about finance and business strategy. I wanted to talk about love and sex and romance and um And I also at the same time was uh, deep in my personal growth journey around meditation, mindfulness, intimacy. And I just felt like that was where 
that's what I wanted to be teaching and coaching. And I wanted to be helping people have personal transformations. And so I left the corporate world in 2018 to start my own business. Mm. And since then I've done retreats and helped hundreds of people have more love, better sex, and really trusting that quiet voice inside of them to guide them on where they want to go. Thank you. Yeah, two very powerful pathways and and much needed deepening, you know, our connection for self. And, you know, as women, I think a lot of us can relate to this, this desire to softening and to into receiving more and and how that is a precursor also to allowing more love and in your relationship. And so, yeah, I would love to, for our listeners, we're going to gear this conversation more towards the relational aspect. And also Megan just had a beautiful baby girl. How old is she now, Megan? She's eight months. And her name is again? Lila. Lila. Lala. Yeah, she's so sweet. I love, I love seeing you guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. And so as motherhood has, of course, transformed your life, how has that changed your work or your relationship with your partner? Because I know that you and your partner also work together and coach together and Mm -hmm. and do couples programs. It's oh, having a baby, it I would say has been the most transformative experience of my life. Mm. I've had many transformative experiences, but the whole journey of being pregnant and growing life inside my body and then giving birth. We had a home birth here in Bali and all natural. And it was, that was the hardest thing I've ever done, but also so empowering. And then postpartum, and learning how to care for this tiny little baby who's so helpless mm. and so utterly dependent on me and on um, my partner has, yeah, it's shifted things in ways I'm still just beginning to kind of understand. I feel like I'm just now eight months after having a baby, kind of putting the pieces of my life and myself back together. Um, one of the things that shifted in our relationship is I really needed James. James is my husband um, for the first time. Like I, I've always wanted him and enjoyed his company, but I was so vulnerable after giving birth and having, uh, going through all the hormones and the shifts myself that I really felt, um, I like as simple as I was holding the baby and breastfeeding and I'm like, I need you to get me some water Mm. or I'm so focused on taking care of this baby. I forgot to eat. Can you make sure I ate lunch? And so it was probably the most interdependent. It has been one of the most interdependent times of my life, which has brought up all kinds of things for me around um, asking for help, mm-hmm. softening to really receive. Um, it, you know, it, it wasn't equal in the early days. I couldn't give him back as much as I was receiving. And so that was like, I had moments of guilt or embarrassment or like, I shouldn't need so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been one. And then the other thing is just having a baby. Now it's like this, we're a team on the project of raising a human. And 
And so one of the practices we've had is how do we continue to be great co-partners, but also lovers, but also make time for long kisses, sexy moments, dates, while talking about diapers and spit up and, um, you know, house maintenance. <laughs> and so it's this, this dance between these two hats that we're wearing together. And then, like you said, we are also business partners. So we actually have mm. three hats that we wear together. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I really, I salute you. I bow to you because I've also been raising nine puppies, completely different. (laughs) So cute. Yeah. They're eight months old. So, you know, very different. Obviously I didn't carry them um, myself, but I can relate to a, to a degree. And so I, I have a, a general understanding of what, what that can feel like. And I'm, I know it looks different and feels different for every single woman and, and couple out there, but yeah, I puppies <laughs> definitely we had a puppy right before giving birth. We took care of like a little eight week old puppy. It was so cute, but yeah, I was like waking up multiple times in the night. It was like feeding a newborn. Yeah. You learn so much about yourself, so much about your partner, the, the ways that you guys relate. I'm curious, how has, how have you navigated that? Like your, yeah, your relationship, nurturing your relationship after giving birth and any tips for, Mm -hmm. for moms who are also may have just given birth or uh, give birth a few years ago, but are still struggling to keep that spark of, of intimacy and, and love alive. Oh, um, well, the first thing I would say is just like acknowledging any moms out there that have given birth, are raising babies and trying to be partners with their partner. Like that is, it's hard. Like I would, I would say it's probably one of the hardest points in our relationship is at least for me right after baby. And so hats off to all the moms out there. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for the service that you're doing. And yeah, tips. I mean, it's as simple as like making time to really stop and look at each other. Mm. Because one of the things with baby is there's just time becomes really precious. And I found I be, I'm more efficient with my time since having a baby. And it sometimes can feel like there's not enough time or there's, you know, all your tensions on baby, but really pausing to actually like look at your partner, like when they enter the room and leave the room, pausing and actually kissing them. That was one of our practices. Um, and then at least once in the day, stopping, looking at them and be like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you human. <laughs> and then and then if they feel up for it, like what helped me a lot is incorporating little sexy moments throughout the day. So even if we didn't have like full on sex or um, like that, but just little moments where we have extended kisses or massage or cuddle, making sure we're still feeding that um, little sparks of eroticism throughout the day. So those are a couple tips and, and it's complex, I will say. It's one of the reasons we do months of coaching with couples around this because there's so much that can come up after a baby. Resentments can build up, frustrations, mm. misunderstandings, <laughs> expectations that aren't met. Um, you know, yeah, like 
frustrations, um, disappointments that maybe it wasn't as seamless as he thought it would be. Mm. So it's a very rich territory for coaching, for growth um, and for exploration. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. The simplicity of just like intentionally acknowledging each other throughout the day. And, and really, I think I also got that. I've heard this from you is like the six second kiss. Is that you? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was me. (laughs) Well, and I got it from the Gottman Institute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing. The six second kiss because the Gottman Institute basically discovered that kissing for six seconds is how long it takes for your hormones to start um, oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin, all the feel good hormones to start flowing. Right. So at least six seconds. It's true. And it, are, yeah. totally. and it helps it make it not as um, like when we're not as um, autopilot, like, you know, just like pack and then like go on to the next thing. Like you take that moment of presence mm-hmm. to be with them. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and that's really what it is. You know, it's just like, can you find moments of presence together? Yeah. All the feelings of love exist right here, right now. It's not like a thought about thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was also, I could relate to a lot of what you were saying just with the puppies and the, I feel like compassion. I mean, that's a, kind of the core of my work is having this gentleness and compassion with, with oneself and, and one's partner, of course, because when there are expectations not being met or complications, you know, grief, emotions for me, even with my dog, like there was a lot of like repressed feminine, like rage and anger, um, Mm -hmm. around her birth. And there was like a lot of comp, her birth was relatively complicated and, and yeah, the resentments that come up and learning how to just hold those moments with so much compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely felt um, moments of like rage and anger that felt inexplicable. Like, what is all this anger from? Right. And something that really helped me is the book Body Full of Stars. It's Mm -hmm. a woman writes about her postpartum journey and she explores feminine rage and the patriarchy and birth and motherhood and, um, yeah, it just helped to realize that it's it's normal to feel that rage through a giant transition. And also motherhood has a lot of like cultural expectations inside of it. And so I think the rage is kind of a signal to of like pushing against some of the expectations or some of the, um, yeah. yeah. I feel like it, you don't know until you know until you experience it (laughs) if you know you know (laughs) yeah oh yeah I have so much respect for mothers absolutely like it's you know you again no one can really like there are great books out there and people can share of their experience but like you said until you know you know and um yeah so I you know you had a lot of preparation because you were already on the path doing this work prior, as you mentioned. Yeah. And so. Yeah. 
and it and it was still like full of surprises because I'd never had the experience of being a mother and Mm-hmm. And I had coached, it's so funny because I had coached mothers and I had had mothers on my retreat. And I look back at some of the things I had felt or said, and I was like, oh, I just didn't get it yet. Right. You know, because I, it can't until you're actually in it and mothering. And yeah, like one of the themes is mothering is so selfless. Like you're just in service to keeping this little being alive. Um, and it's totally rewired my brain, I think, mm. to pay more attention to other people and to the outside world than, um, than myself. Like before, my primary thing was like, what do I want? What do I need? What would feel good for me? You know, and then mothering's changed so much of that. Yeah, it shifts your entire, entire as you said, being neural pathways, networking and it's a giant initiation and now you're able i can imagine to support your clients even more deeply and powerfully i think so too and i think one of the insights around mothering is just realizing it's been so humbling just to realize like there's so much i don't know Mm. and with raising a baby it's like this constant like she's learning but i'm also learning how to care for her at the different stages and Um, I think when I was younger, I was like, okay, I got the answer. I can, you know, here's the fix to the solution. And as I get older and step into motherhood, it's much more like, oof, it is complex and intricate. And I know a little bit and there's a lot I don't know. And a lot I'm still learning. So I I feel like I have more space for the messy unknown um, through motherhood. Which is, which is all life. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm hearing that it's allowed you to surrender more to, to that mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful way to describe it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Starting with birth. (laughs) It was like, birth is like, was for me, at least the ultimate surrender into the unknown. Like, I don't know. It was something that was happening through me with me but not from like, not from my mind. It, um, yeah. And I see this behind you, there's this beautiful painting of a rose mm. opening. And that was, it, that birth was like that. Like, how much can I open? How much can I surrender and soften and trust and let go? So, yeah, really a feminine initiation. <laughs> there's no um, resisting the birth. I mean, you can, but it's like, it just makes it harder. I can imagine. Yeah. 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 And I'm curious, we mentioned, we were speaking about this earlier, but we both, well, I'm starting to read the queen's code and you've Mm -hmm. studied some of Alison Armstrong's work prior to meeting your partner, James. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sorry, go ahead. There you go. Yeah. Well, we were just touching upon the fact that it really shifts our perspective to how we relate to men and the power that we hold as women in the way that we communicate and how that shifts a man. And they talk about in the book how it's this term called frog farming when women turn princes into frogs. And this is really common how 
when a man is first showing up in relationship and they're doing all the things and they're like courting us and showing up in all the ways that we want, but then slowly over time, they start to turn into a frog that maybe we deem them as lazy, selfish, um, emotionally unavailable. They don't care. Um, and all of these judgments that we have towards men. And so I'm curious, how has this impacted your relationship to James and, and how does he, how does that feedback, you know, return to you? (laughs) Such a good question. I love Alison Armstrong's work. I have read all of her books. I've taken her courses and I just think she is absolutely brilliant. And for me, before I read her work, I had done a lot around the feminine and understanding the feminine and my feminine. And and that was really powerful, but I don't think I had that much respect or appreciation for the masculine and for men in particular. Like I can definitely see spots where I was frog farming. Like I would get in a relationship with men and I'd be like, oh, they need my advice. I need to kind of like pay for boyfriends and um, try to give them business advice and basically treat them like they're sort of incompetent. Hmm. Um, and then, and then wonder why I didn't really respect my partner. <laughs> and it's, it's a dynamic I see a lot also with clients. And so um, a number of things changed that 12 step programs are amazing. I did uh, codependency anonymous, which is great. Um, but also Alison Armstrong's work and just seeing I feel like her work helped me see the heart of men and that the heart of men want to, they want to protect and provide and be useful to a woman who really appreciates them. That was one of my biggest nuggets. And so when I met James, I feel like I could see his innate generosity um, Mm. more clearly. And I could really like, A, let it in, let it touch me and be like, wow, this man is showing up and he wants to see, he wants me to be happy. Like, and he wants to do what he can to make me happy. And that's such a beautiful gift. Um, And, and help me be more generous with my appreciation and my acknowledgement and um, also seeing his brilliance. Hmm. So, and we actually on our second date, listened to her book, Celebrating Partnership. We're in Australia and like going on a drive and he's like, let's listen to this book together. And so we, her teachings have been embedded into our relationship from the very beginning. That's that's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible that he suggested to read that book or listen. Yeah. He had also studied her work before me. Right. And the book talks about, you know, for women, we are really driven by perfectionism because from a primal standpoint, that's how we received, you know, at one point resources and protection in a marriage dynamic. Now marriage dynamics are really in relationships are oriented towards, you know, love, like having that deep loving sexual connection and partnership, as well as, you know, the family um, creating house together, all of these things. And, but for women, like that still drives us the perfectionism and, and as well. So we're more externally driven by seeking validation and approval by other people. This is what it speaks to in the book. And, and so we unconsciously are 
holding a standard for men as the perfect person or more so the perfect woman. So we're judging them based off of our ideal of a perfect woman, <laughs> which is which is hilarious and ironic. And um, and so, yeah, when we we make that shift and, you know, you at the time had the awareness and the eyes to see that this was a man who was innately generous and was really showing up to the relationship. I'm sure it helped that he had also done lots of work in his um, in his past as well. Um, but has this, how have you seen this reflected in, in your life? Like the perfectionism and, and, um, you know, letting your partner be who they are without wanting to kind of teach them or treat them as if they're not incompetent. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, just one of the examples I remember early on. I'd be like, how are you feeling? Like, I'm good. And I was like, no, come on. How are you really feeling? Like, get vulnerable with me. Like, what's really going on? And he's like, I'm good. (laughs) And I think that's just an example of how, like, I was kind of expecting him to respond like a woman. Like a girlfriend of mine would be like, oh, I'm feeling pretty content today, but like a little sad because my cat didn't, you know, my cat ran away, but I'm also happy, but I'm also kind of mad, right? Like, to use a lot of emotional words. Whereas one of the things I've learned with him is like, sometimes his emotional word is just good. Um, And so I've been practicing just like accepting that. And then also creating space for him to open up without pushing him to open up. So one of the things I used to do is be like, what's really going on? Tell me, you know, and trying to push it. And what I learned from Alison Armstrong is a few things is, one wait asking a question and then waiting for the well he said men have to go all the way down inside them if it's a deep question to find the nugget and bring it out and that can take seconds minutes even and often women just aren't patient enough to wait so in my marriage I practice if I do want to ask you know what do you think about this or how has fatherhood been to for you or How's your heart today? I have to wait and wait. And, and then the other thing too, is to be, I've been learning how to be safe for a man's vulnerability. So Mm -hmm. I often hear from women, like he doesn't open up to me. He doesn't talk about how he's feeling. And one of the first things I look at is like, is she safe for his vulnerability? Um, Because Alison Armstrong also talks about like men will guard their secrets. It's just an instinct, you know, Hunter doesn't reveal his plans. Like he, they tend to be more guarded. And so I have to look at like, when he does have little moments of vulnerability or opening, can I greet it with just like relaxed acceptance Mm. and curiosity? And so I found, for example, driving in the car and being next to each other um, and not looking at each other there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do is a really good space to actually hear what's going on with him. <laughs> Amazing. So wise. Yes. Yeah. I can really relate to the, the first thing that you mentioned, a few things that you mentioned, but the, the I'm fine or I'm good. I'm like, there has to be more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and then yeah feeling just feeling like they're so closed off and then feeling like this internal struggle like it's really physiological our our response to that because we we want to be met but it helps to have this understanding and understanding the language of men to to yeah create that safety for them and in return they start to be more vulnerable with us so yeah yeah and also I think recognizing that a man's vulnerability can look really different than a woman's like yeah when he talks about his mission or his purpose or what he wants to the way he wants to be of service to the world that that's actually vulnerability that it doesn't have to look like oh I feel sad or I feel um, unloved or whatever which might be more of a, a woman's vulnerability but yeah sharing his vision or his plan that's also vulnerable so treating I've been practicing to treat that with care as much as I would a more feminine kind of vulnerability yeah for us it's just complete rewiring and reprogramming and there's such a large learning curve so again compassion 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 but when it when it does start to click um I think that we can begin to see how that influences our partner like how creating safety for both partners is is equally important because I, I didn't, you know, I used to think because they didn't share their vulnerability the way we did, that they weren't as sensitive as we are, but it, sometimes I even feel like my partner is sometimes more sensitive to me. You know, there's just, it's just hidden more. Um, as you said, like their, their heart or their secrets are a little bit more guarded. And I think that's also, you know, I really feel a lot for men because of their, their programming, their conditioning around vulnerability, not, not being able to express or access that and not having healthy examples or safe spaces to do that. So they're, they're coming from, yeah, the patriarchy is both influences us in, in ways that make it harder to, to relate. So absolutely it's so real I really feel for men and the patriarchy hasn't served either gender you know it's it's we talk a lot about how it's um, a disservice to women but it's also a disservice to men because it puts them Mm. in it requires them to stay in very tight boxes of what it means to be a man Mm -hmm. and like my partner grew up in New Zealand and there's a saying in New Zealand like have a spoonful of concrete bro and toughen the f up it's something that they would say yeah and so there's a whole culture of stoicism and stuffing down your feelings. Don't talk about it. Be strong. Don't feel it. And so, of course, then it's hard for men to open up with that conditioning. Like, that's really intense. Yeah. And if that is, is threatened like, or challenged, I think that can, that can bring up a lot of a lot of emotion and a lot of mixed with a lot of shame as well for feeling emotion and not knowing where it's coming from or how to process it. Um, I, I'm curious for you, how does, how does shame like come up in your relationship dynamics? Cause again, women, they're, they're the standard holding themselves to their standard of, of perfection. And when their man feels like they're not 
standing up to their standard of perfection, then they feel like they're not good enough. Bless you. And, and, and that there's a lot of shame around that. Ooh, shame. I really think shame is the root of what I work on with my clients, with myself, because I believe shame is the thing that keeps us stuck, keeps us trapped, um, keeps us separated and isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of the work of opening to love is seeing the shame, feeling it, loving it and letting it go. Um, so how does shame come up in my relationship? Is that- or how has, yeah. How has it been? How have you navigated that as a couple? Mm. Well, I think one of the gifts of relationship is it can be a container to heal shame together. Mm-hmm. So it can be a container to um, amplify your shame, or it can be a container to heal shame. And what that would look like is, so I believe the way that shame is healed, is dissolved, is by bringing out something that we feel a little embarrassed, a little ashamed, a little like, am I still lovable if I share this? Sharing it with someone and being met with love and compassion. Mm -hmm. And so your partner can do that with you. Um, And and so James and I, I work on that. And that's, you know, like when I was saying, when he talks about his mission or his purpose, like if he shares like you shared the other day that he was in, he held a workshop and not a ton of people came and he felt embarrassed. Like he felt, um, yeah, embarrassed by that. And then I was just like, and I met that with a lot of love and approval. Like, yeah, I really get that. Um, and you I still think you're absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't define who you are. And so that's just a little moment of like creating space to heal shame. And he does the same for me. Like a funny example is, I remember learning about birth and that women poop in birth. Mm. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to poop in front of my partner. That's so shameful and so embarrassing. Mm. And, blah. and, and I was going to birth in a tub, a pool. And so our midwife told us to get like one of those mesh scooper things in case I poop, you could just scoop it out. Mm-hmm. And so the months leading up to birth, he would just like take the mesh scooper and tease me. And he's like, Ooh, guess he's going to poop in this. And, and just the play and the teasing it softened the shame in me so that in birth I did poop. It was no big deal. It was just like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm surrounded by people that accept me. I don't have to be embarrassed. Mm. Um, And I think that's one of the highest purposes of relationship is to help heal each other in that way. Whether it's about poop or, you know, something deeper. I love it. Yeah. We're very open about our poop here. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you, you integrated that, you know, over time. I mean, you, you did it in like a (laughs) silly, playful way, which is also really sweet. Um, But I love this point because I've heard too, similarly, when there's a lot of trauma and parts of us become fragmented in cultures where they do soul retrieval, first they have the community come around them and create such this loving space of being held and just that full acceptance and love and then that's when they they call the pieces of the soul back to the person mm-hmm. so it's similar and i i mean it's the same <laughs> essentially um but i i love that and i true you know we we see it time and time again how couples usually have trauma that um that kind of match each other you know that 
mm-hmm. basically activate each other's. And so when we can see that for what it is and then begin to consciously work through that and hold space for each other, that's like where the deepest healing can happen as, as you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like we attract like jigsaw puzzles. I believe we kind of attract someone that has complementary mm-hmm. um, wounding or patterns. And then part of the relationship is learning how to um, unwind them together or just play yeah. with them. Yeah. You know? Play for, yeah, it's definitely been one of um, an essential component to, to creating deeper intimacy and, and bonding, but also to, to help heal some of those things. So they don't feel so, so heavy in our systems. So heavy. Yeah. 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 I think what these patterns hate the most is to be played with is because these patterns feel so serious and so life or death, but one of the best ways to melt them is to bring play and levity and humor and, um, awareness. Like we got married and one of the practices is we did shadow vows. Mm. We have our light vows. Like I vow to be with you in sickness and in health and, you know, till death to us part, the, our intentions. But then we also had, what are the patterns we know will come up in this relationship? Wow. Um, and how do we bring light to them and humor and also shared in front of our community so that our community can call us out when they see these things. Like one of my shadow vows was, I vow that I will expect you to read my mind on what I want and need and be resentful when you don't and punish you for it. Yeah. All right. And it's just like a part of my shadow will do this. And he has a part of his shadow that will respond in a particular way. So yeah, knowing it, owning it, and then bringing some play. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that illumination and, and sharing that being witnessed and seen to help take some of that power away of those shadow aspects and, and the shame that, that bind them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful way of saying it. Mm. The shame that binds them. Yeah. I think when you share them and bring play, it is like letting go of some of the shame. I was in this course and she said, you can be insecure, but don't be insecure about being insecure. Be confidently insecure. And I just really like that because she pointed out, she's like, your insecurities are not yours. They're like universal insecurities. Oh yeah. Like, am I lovable? Am I good enough? Am I worthy? Am I valuable? And, and so be confidently insecure. Like, oh, I'm feeling unworthy. I'm feeling insecure. Yeah. It's a pride. It's not easy at first, but it, it becomes easier, so much easier over time. And yeah, the power of community and how liberating that can be and the accountability, all these things that you're, that you're mentioning. And I, I'm so grateful. I, you know, I, you know, the great thing about the internet is being able to witness other people's lives. And it seems like in Bali, especially you guys have such a a beautiful connection and community there. So I'm glad, you know, every, I hope that every woman, every family, every being has that that love and support from community members as you do. Yeah. <laughs> it's been huge. It's been so big. And, and I will say too, I, I haven't always had community. I've had times when I felt lonely or isolated on this path. Um, especially when I started personal growth and not a lot of people around me were doing it. And it felt like 
why am I taking a left turn? And so there's kind of like this isolating moment, but then you're right now I've found people, I found my tribe. I found people that I can really relate to that have similar values and are doing a similar process of discovering themselves and um, healing themselves and others. And so, yes, I feel very grateful for the community that I have now Mm. and the power of it. Mm. Yay. Well, Megan, it has been, this is, feels so sweet to me because I just, it's been beautiful to witness again, you, your journey and your transformation. And even though we haven't been in touch that much, um, I'm grateful that you said yes to being on the podcast Mm -hmm. and yeah, I appreciate your time. And I hope that everyone who's listening can, I know they'll receive something beautiful from, from your transmission. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been so nice to see you again and to reconnect with the mission that you're on. And um, yeah, and to anyone listening, thank you for the gift of your time and attention. Oh, yes. And that reminds me, how can people um, find you and connect with you? Yes. Uh, Best way would be through Instagram. And I will share it's Megan D. Lambert. Um, I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show notes if that works. Absolutely. And feel free to send me a message. Let me know what you got from this episode. Um, And I also post different ways to work with me through Instagram. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll have all the links available to you. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Pleasure Alchemy podcast. We greatly appreciate your support and we love having you in our space. If this podcast resonated with or lit you up in any way, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, as well as a written review on Apple Podcasts. This helps our message to expand and reach more people. And if you feel inspired, please share this podcast with a friend and take a screenshot of this episode and tag us on your Instagram story. We absolutely love it when our listeners reach out and let us know how the podcast impacted their life or inspired them. Please email us at thepleasurealchemypodcast at gmail.com. We invite you to follow us on our YouTube channel and Instagram at the Pleasure Alchemy Podcast and on our personal Instagram. Mine is Love Legacy Coaching and Janessa's is her full name, Janessa Dalalana. The links are located in the description below. New episodes are released every week, so stay tuned and thanks for listening.